Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. It has been a while. I took the last three or four weeks off just uh, enjoying a uh, little break. Hopefully this is streaming live now. And uh, yep, there it goes. It just uh, popped up, so everything is working in live. But uh, yeah, I just needed a break. You know, this is actually October is the 11th anniversary of the show so it's been going for a long time hans has been coming on the show for a full decade now how does that feel hans i don't know man feels cool <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah i gotta keep trying to say i'm 25 years old you know i i had a bunch of identity theft you know happen recently and you know a credit card stolen and then i got got the new card and she's like when were you born 1998 like really it's like no but i just wanted to say it you know and then i think i almost i think i almost got busted for you know defrauding myself but yeah no it, it's amazing how fast time goes i mean we just um you know we did that one show and then i kind of you know was didn't um we never reconnected and then i just kind of got into it and then you know as i've told the story i wrote an outline was supposed to be for one show and it went on for i, I don't even know how long it was like <laughs> Yeah. Free train of mayhem. But yeah, uh, well, yeah, oh, I was just going to say, well, tonight is your 44th uh, time on the show. Oh, and, uh, you know, so we've we've done what that would probably be like 80 or 90 hours of material if people want to go through it all. Uh, we're back on the main channel, obviously, for the first time in what, three, four months. The main channel was uh, demonetized over total nonsense uh, issues. And uh, what they said was that I had too many re-uploads of other videos. There was four uploads out of 400, so like 1%. And they said that uh, this was cause for them to demonetize my channel. So Super Chats are back up for those of you who want to support the show, really appreciate any support. Um, we are uh, off of the backup channel for the first time since, what was it, like, I don't know, it must have been like May or June or something like that when they uh, demonetized the thing. Somebody's talking about uh, Hans hasn't investigated Fish. Uh, you know, I have a bit, and uh, who was it, the drummer of Fish, uh, living in Maine, is a, like a convicted pedophile or whatever. I had, uh, as far as I recall, but I had somebody send me a a uh, mailer that went around in Maine warning the neighbors of this guy from Fish, and I was just trying to pull up the database here, about uh, his his uh, connections. Where the heck is my database link here? I must have updated the database. What were you going to say? Know, uh, yeah, actually, I have done some stuff on Fish um, on my now-defunct radio show, The Network, went off the air yesterday. Um, so that was the last show. Um, but yeah, so I've done some other stuff on it and, uh, you know, of course it's, it, you know, that that's, um, you know, one of the things that just because, you know, I was giving such a big picture, I mean, you could go into any one of these, these bands. And I think that, um, you know, if you look at it, the post grateful dead era, right. The jam band, uh, you know, the, uh, sarcophagus of the hippie movement, right. With all the LSD and all that stuff. And the, you know, the new, new victims. Um, and so the fish is kind of like the Beatles and tools like the Rolling Stones, so to speak of that. And then you've got a, a bunch of other 
sort of bands that spawned. So actually fish, I haven't knew those guys. Um, you know, when I was like, you know, I was, I was like 10 years old. Okay. And I was, I was like 18, 19 years old, whatever. And they were playing like in the high school auditoriums and stuff, you know? And, uh, so, you know, when they first came out, cause at that time I was, uh, connected with, uh, you know, sort of the residual Grateful Dead scene, Rainbow Tribe and that kind of thing. So I, um, you know, and the fact is even back then I was, they just got on my nerves to be honest. Um, cause I, I, you know, I always felt music should have some serious intention and then having, um, technical virtuosity with these kind of, uh, inane silliness. Um, I just, somebody just didn't vibe with me. Um, you know, even if with the hot hippie girls were dancing, they left their bras at home. All right, fish, but they still, you know, I didn't really get into them, but I did certainly, I mean, they were extremely important. Um, and that's really, I mean, this is what spawned the entire jam band circuit, right? This, there's a whole array um, of, uh, you know, acts and touring stuff. And, you know, there's not every band in the, in the, um, the jam band markers are necessarily bad, but yeah, so fish is an interesting group. Um, and we can go, there's, you know, I don't want to necessarily get off on a tangent, but you know, maybe we'll go into that a bit later. Cause I, I think that it is interesting to look at some of these things, especially, you know, in, in detail and, and maybe I'll just make a little list here. I'll carve it into my wrist, you know? Well, yeah. Do you have any razor blades? I do. I do actually. Yeah, yeah I do. I have a bunch of them. So uh, somebody got, was got, saying that he got busted in Saratoga Springs uh, for pedophilia. But uh, uh, hey, Brian, good to see you. But yeah, you know, I've had that that letter. Somebody sent that to me. It must have been three, four years ago uh, when, uh, you know, from Maine, he was running for public office in Maine. Uh, John Fishman was and they sent out a, a mailer to uh all the people, uh, all the houses and whatnot in his <clears throat> district, got a, a hair on my nose, uh, about his, uh, uh, you know, uh, apparent pedophilic habits. I have not uh, checked to see if he was convicted or not, so obviously we have to be careful with the language. But, uh, yeah, nasty stuff, man. Well, you know, I mean, for me it was just when Gary Glitter – Rock and roll part one, you know, everyone's been a football game. Nah, 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 nah. you know, and then uh, Pete Townsend, of course, was doing research on pedophilia. He's oh, yeah, yeah, pedophilia. yeah. Air quotes. And so, you know, and I just, I said, these guys are my heroes. And, and so the fish thing, I was like, no, I just don't believe it. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, <laughs> you know, don't tell yeah. me it's not so, Pete. Teenage wasteland. What kind of wasteland are you talking about there, Pete? You know, the, you know, the thing is, like, all the lyrics, it's kind of like with Queen, you know, like, uh, you know, honestly, like why, you know, I still like the village people. I mean, because they have some of the tightest, like uh, Macho Man has some of the funniest lyrics, but actually the music is, you know, there's the best session musicians of the time playing on that. So that's actually a slamming track, right? But um, it's kind of like, well, of course, them and then Queen, Fat Bottom Girls, you know, and then suddenly, you know, when you, you know, ride your bicycle and then you find out, you know, these guys. And so all the all the, you know, the P towns and things, you know, pinball plays a mean pinball, you know? And so everything just took on this thing. And I just like, dude, I can't even listen to Pete, you know, this, the, you know, Roger Daltrey just trying to find a note. Okay. A couple times he's hitting that note in tune, not too often, but he does look good. He's like Robert Plant, you know, he's like the, he's like the Walmart version of Robert Plant. You know, he's not, didn't quite make it the Robert Plant, but he's still, still pretty good. 
But, all, um, all these links to the news articles regarding uh, Fishman are down right now. But, uh, you know, I can't find... Uh, I can't find the active links to the news stories here. That's interesting. I'll I'll try Google here. I don't like to use Google if I can avoid it. Yeah, I do want to give a shout out to a band actually that that, that uh, it's quite good actually. They they're called Fishmans. They're a Japanese group, and they really uh, they predated um, a lot of the kind of reggae stuff. But they're really kind of beautiful, interesting, kind of intense music. Um, they they actually the lead singer died quite young, but it's a Japanese. Okay, and unless probably pretty obscure, but they're a pretty neat group. So as I'm not against every every style of music, even though you know I, I did try to you know all the goofy stuff like smashing your guitar, like you know that that's just dumb. Trying to do the windmills, you know, I, I you know dislocated my shoulder, knocked my teeth out trying to play with my teeth. You know, luckily I did all that stuff before I was 18. But you know this all this uh, the annex, you know, are there. But uh, you know, fundamentally though, there's um, there, there is a there's a darkness uh, behind some of these artists and especially the ones that seem the most you know the happy laughing whimsical fish you know there's nothing serious you know and as john lennon says nothing to get hung about right nothing to get hung about not hung up but nothing to get hung about there you go the hangman right so um but uh it's kind of riffing do you, here. Do you ever get tired or, or you know, I, have you come to a point in the last decade since we started all these shows and all this research where you're just, are, are you still surprised at things that you find or are you sort of just so deep in it? It's, you know, nothing well, shocks you anymore. Well, you know, I mean, here's one thing is that I can't, um, like when I'm researching stuff, you know, I'll, I'll go very deeply into it. I mean, my, you know, it's what I do, man. I, I I play music, you know, I play, you know, I haven't had to play in a uh, Beastie Boys cover band yet, thank God, or play in a, I wouldn't mind playing a Village People cover band, but, you know, I have to play, you know, I, I tend to be, I don't do a lot of crap and stuff, but I, I, I play music, you know, um, I do a lot of concerts, I also occasionally play in bars and this kind of thing. So, you know, I have to kind of balance it. Um, but certainly, you know, there is, it's something I've kind of alluded to is you kind of have to go through the whole spectrum and it's really important, not just, you know, you can learn all the different facts, but you have to see how this affected and connected with your own being. And it may not have, it may have. Um, and, and it's the more, I think people that are the most resistant have actually had the deepest kind of effects from this music. But uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff like some of this hip hop stuff. I mean, I can feel physically ill hearing certain types of music and I just, I just go away from it. Um, but you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I'm in Columbus, Ohio. So, you know, I just, you know, I just, I can just, I'm very good at ignoring things uh, that I don't have to, but you know, the thing is that the fact is that what we talked about um, is something that you mentioned in our earlier conversation today, Jan, is that, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff we talked about when we first mentioned it, it seemed pretty far out. Now it's just accelerated and gone to the point, you know, of just every single day. I mean, if you look at all the occult symbolism, I mean, the, I could just go through 50 music videos. They continue to go more and more and more down and more degraded, more occult stuff, more mind control, more, you know, pedophilia, cannibalism. And it's in the mainstream. I mean, people are promoting People with jobs, not like me, not like some dude who just plays sitar for a living, but people actually with reputed jobs are talking about, hey, 
we got to get over the hang up about cannibalism, you know, and who was that uh, person? Uh, some was it some psychologist just said, you know, we have to yeah, pedophilia. Well, uh, uh, Camille Peglia or whatever her name is just came out saying that we got to promote Na uh, NAMBLA and pedophilia. And then Richard Dawkins was out there a year or two ago promoting uh, cannibalism. Um, there was another one out promoting cannibalism recently, but yeah, you can see the direction that they're going. And, you know, when I contacted you, it must've been, you know, five, six years ago. And I told you, Hey, you know, I want to, I was looking for somebody to do a series on music and mind control with. And I had mentioned to you that I think that music was the core foundation of, of mind control and you were at the time you were like, no, I don't think so. And then like after we started going through it all, you're like, yeah, man, wow, this is really where it's at. And uh, so then, you know, we laid all of this stuff out and we did, you know, two, what, no, three dozen shows on it, over three dozen shows on it. And now as we've put it out and exposed it, they've... Uh, you know, they've they've sped things up. They've ramped it up. And, you know, another interesting thing, Hans, is they they uh, demonetized most of my uh, shows with you and they would put bogus copyright claims on. And, you know, a lot of the a lot of the shows with you that I had already had, you know, manually reviewed or whatever, when they demonetized my channel, I had to go back through and have them all manually rechecked. This time, they actually seem to have uh, approved a few more than they did last time. And in fact, this morning, I got uh, copyright claims removed from two of the shows with you. One of them was uh, from the Grateful Dead series, and another one was from our our uh, War of the World show. You know, the one that where I went to uh, Princeton and did all the research for that. But, um, you know, it's been a it's you know, you can tell they do not want our research on music and mind control out there. I mean, you know, one of the videos has like 40,000 views. These things should have gone viral years ago. You know, imagine if 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 the, all of these shows that we that you and I have done had the proper one or two million views like they should have. You know, we would have actually began to see a real uh change on the horizon from the years of trying to get this information out there well i'd be sitting on a yacht drinking margaritas with jimmy buffett man if that happened <laughs> but um you know and he's such a tightwad dude they try not to swear like i said uh just as a, a preamble just so people know that i'm not some kind of a maniac but uh I, I had, I was, I've been extremely busy. In fact, it's been a great year, right? But pretty much nonstop work. I had sort of a light month and I decided to remodel my bathroom. So I tore out the entire bathroom. I have no experience doing this in my life. I, I painted a couple walls. That's it. Just got it done. That was just a, you know, a journey through hell, you know, took the walls out, toilet sink. My wife is like, you know, there's just a trail of debris, the whole, you know, living room, you know, toilet sitting on the, you know, the backyard, you know, it's just, just an awful, you know, I, I did it with a pickaxe, man. I don't know what the hell I was doing, but that being said, I finished all that. And then I had, I had to finish up these projects cause I didn't do anything else except for finish the bathroom. And so I had to get all that stuff done and I've been working since, well, about 6 PM yesterday and now I'm here chilling out. So I'm still kind of going just through focus. So I'm not completely, uh, 
whacked out, but you get, get to see a different sign. I guess I get a bit lightheaded, you know, I feel more energized being here, but, um, but anyways, you're back to the topic. Um, fundamentally, see why I'm not surprised is because what we did is everything is laid out. Even the laying the dead, the rest, I can't stress enough. I mean, I think there's so much stuff in those shows because especially like Jerry Garcia, you know, he's in 1990s talking about, you know, everybody, you know, becoming basically genderless connecting, you know, with these kind of, you know, these suits and everyone has their own private language, which is autism, right? So they're pushing autism spectrum. You have the new, the new wonderful, you should be ashamed what you're doing to my future. How can you live with yourself? Okay. Yeah. It's not a very good Hysterical. Uh, Greta. SJW. <laughs> yeah. Total. You know, and she, she's bad. on Soros's uh, payroll the whole time too. She's got a whole PR team and everything behind her. It's total crap. I should have practiced that. I, I wanted to do the soylent greenest people thing, but I, <laughs> I, I just can't, I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. But, but the fact is that see this stuff, it's all, it's, it, 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 here's the thing is that when we had talked about it, it is possible that that just could have been a part of history. Maybe we read too much into it. Maybe there's some exaggeration. Maybe, you know, we were, you know, you know, you focus on, you know, you, you see the trees for the forest or vice versa, right? You know, but if you just look at the progression, it, every single thing, every, even all the sidereal, all the, you know, tangential, all the sort of other type of aspects have just continued to just uh, grow and grow and grow to the point where, you know, I mean, it's, it's, um, I mean, I do get shocked, you know, here and there, um, you know, it, it does happen, but it's just, I'm just looking at it like um, it's, you know, even that, that Pokemon Go stuff I talked about. I mean, that's right now, that's uh, who's that new virtual reality, um, you know, these, these uh, you know, virtual AI lady, what's her name? Um, I, I blocked her name out. She's a weird video where you just see her eye. Maybe I'll send you a link for that. But they have these people that are actually this virtual reality with the full on, you know, the artificial uh, auto tune thing. You know, it's basically, you know, when Cher first did that, you believe in love after love. Suddenly everybody is doing this auto tune, but then you see what's actually happening is this replacement, right? Of the real lived world with this virtual world. So it doesn't even necessarily need the implant, right? The transhumanism is in a sense already upon us. And, um, and then basically you're raising, you know, the, the level of child abuse that's going on now. I'm just, I am stunned and shocked and I could just go through so many examples and that's something I never thought I'd see a lot of these things um, around 2016 I, I, I basically had kind of a, a vision of all this stuff and I thought I thought maybe 2030 2040 maybe not and it's like all this stuff I'm like holy crap it's it's actually it's actually happening but it's happening in such an aggressive in your face way that unless your head is in the sand um, you know, I, it's, I understand, you know, you just, I, I just, I avoid, you know, the media, right? If I, every time I see a television, I just, I just fly into paroxysms of rage and just start cursing at it, you know, and that's why I don't have any friends anymore, you know, the TV. <laughs> start yelling at it. My wife's like, can you just watch the show? And I, you know, I just, it, cause you just, but you just see through it. It's so it's transparent, but we have to see that. No, it's obviously of great import and there it's almost like the rush they're trying to rush you know they're trying to sell the brownies off you know the um 
you know, the little sugar cubes, right? The, well, it's like you know, uh, we were discussing before the show, uh, Stranger Things, you know, and uh, you got Winona Ryder in there and her godfather was Timothy Leary. You know, her her whole family is right in the in the core of that. And I tried to watch uh, that show. Uh, let me see if I can pull up her name here. How do you spell her name anyway? R-Y-D-E-R. R-Y. Okay, thank you. Ryder. Ryder Horowitz. So, yeah, her her dad, Michael Horowitz, was a uh, big guy in the, uh, you know, promoting the CIA MKUltra program. And he he edited the book Moksha of Aldous Huxley's uh, garbage. And, of course, Aldous Huxley was one of the key people behind uh, – behind the uh planning and orchestrating of mk ultra and then you got you know he was pals with pedophile alan ginsburg and then uh timothy leary not uh, alan ginsburg too no sorry go ahead oh why is that uh alan ginsburg is that like off you know but you know no, he, alan he's like, ginsburg is the most he's like the super pedophile oh he's yeah such, he's he's, he's like he, he would be the uber file uber pedophile but you know, it's like this book, Yage Letters, about ayahuasca, uh, written between him and William S. Burroughs. It's the most disgusting thing I've ever read. And it's a uh, it's a uh, journey of William Burroughs going around South America and checking, you know, and he's telling all of his pedophile stories as he's traveling around and who he diddled and he kills one kid and I think, I think he kills one kid and then, uh, you know, he gets his underwear and stuff stolen doing some other kid and whatnot. But, uh, it's a tour book to, for pedophiles to go around South America looking for the best places to diddle kids dressed in a book about, you know, in the sheep's clothing about ayahuasca and Yage. Yeah, and this is where the whole ayahuasca movement really comes from is this Yage Letters book. And it's it's freaking disgusting, man. Yeah. Well, I think I've oh, I want to just uh just give a shout out to um all the people that uh, supported me that book. Um, you know, I always it's not easy to write a book that fast, but I absolutely appreciate everybody who uh You didn't even copy. send me a copy of it, man. <laughs> man, I put so much work into man, I actually told a good friend of mine, I think he may be listening. And I was like, I told him, like, he's actually helped me out with some stuff. I said, man, you got to buy it too. I can't give it to you. No. Cause I, I just, I put so much into it. I'm like, man, I just can't give this away. I, you know, I'll just, it, it's, it's going to, it's like an underground, it'll be an underground. How many, best of your bo- how many books have you written now? Um, to be honest, I have shit. Um, eight, nine right now that are in, um, that are in, I mean, basically ready to go. Um, some of them are a little bit further along than others, but yeah, I have nine completed books. Um, I've got, uh, well, I, two published and I've got another three, four books that I contributed to the last year actually. So yeah, I mean, all these books, man, that that's the next thing I'm going to do, man, is that's, uh, that's why I had to like clear out the debris of my life and get back in there, get back into doing that. But I, I just want to say, I really uh, absolutely appreciate um, the people that have connected with me, you know, on this journey. And I've actually met a number of people 
Um, you know, I, in fact, this lady from Australia came out and saw me play in a bar in Columbus, Ohio, man. That was pretty wild. Um, that was about a month ago and I've ran into some people here and there and, you know, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's cool. You know, as one guy is like, you're not Hans Utter. I was like, yeah, I am. You don't look like him. I was like, oh, okay. You know, it's like, what do you think? I'm like, think I'm like Superman or I, I look ugly. You know, that, that's always fun. I've had a couple people say that to me, but that's, that's great. You know, I just say, man, when I see my balls, then you'll, you know who I am. <laughs> but, but basically, um, you know, I absolutely appreciate, you know, the people, and, you know, and, and that's the thing that, uh, you know, just to, you know, help, um, you know, help people along. Cause you know, we're, the one thing is, is, is to understand is that there has been something that has been done. There's been a violence done to, done to us. Right. And there is, you know, and, and part of it is not, you know, going beyond the fact that, Oh, this didn't affect me or this did or not, or this or that just, you know, human beings have always had proclivities. There's always been, you know, things going on, but this kind of artificial, and this is like the third wave, right, of this massive top-down absolute social cultural engineering that really started in, you know, in the, you know, the 19, you could say early part of the 20th century, but, it, you know, it didn't really gain steam, you know, you have the jazz age and you've got, uh, you've got, you know, the rock and roll age and you've got um you know of course psychedelic rock and you know classic rock acid rock you know and all then on and on and on um but this is also coupled with the the media um the educational system the dietary crap you know all the stuff that's going in the food going in the water um you know these um useless wars um these types of uh social control mechanisms um and, and there's also been a great demonization of the past, right? There's been a, a great deal of rewriting of history as well. Yeah. And, and that's severing people, right, from their identities. Um, and I think that Any, anything the, from the past is just bad white people stuff that has no value. So we got to forget all that, you know? Well, not, not, Cla not Pete Townsend, man. That's good white people stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> as long as he's diddling the little boys, he's okay. You know, is these some of these guys are just such uh, slime balls. I mean, I'm making fun of Pete Townsend because that was just like the lamest excuse. You know, he, you know, I think he's a sir, but, um, but anyways, just what? Okay, that that's my little long-winded thing. But again, I absolutely appreciate people that have met me. They know that I I am a true rock star in real life. You know, anyways, but no, I'm just you know I I am exactly who I say I am. You know, the greatest the greatest man in the world. No, I you know I'm just some dude. Um, I'm not just some dude, but uh, you know I I try to. You know, I, I feel that we're all in this together. And I think that that the more that there is a sort of a, a level, I think that's what they're afraid of is that, um, you know, there's, um, you know, you have like, you know, the morphogenic field, whatever you want to call it. But there is there is an effect that the overall consciousness of those around you has on you yourself. Um, and so as people start to, to become aware and, um, you know, living in Columbus, Ohio, I would say it's, they were pretty much done for, but you know, I, I think there's a lot of people out there and it's just, I think it's just helpful to see it. And then also, you know, it's like, you know, whether or not it affected you or not, that's fine. But I, I don't know how anyone could grow up in this culture unless they were like already enlightened bodhisattva or else they, you know, they, they lived in a cave or they were like homeschooled and, you know, whatever, and were a goat herder or something. I mean, all this stuff has been imprinted on our psyches, right? Um, 
And uh, an example is just the, uh, you know, these uh, children's films. I was talking to my friend, you know, Disney World, you know, and even these Disney films. So many things are really terrifying, right? And there's some of the stuff that kids are exposed to, this violence, this kind of stuff. And this terrifies the children. And, and so they or probably terrified us, like Willy Wonka, man, he's pretty creepy. Um, but uh, so all this stuff, um, the, when you have that fear response, right, just like the false flag stuff, is that you're very open to imprinting. And so all this stuff, you know, um, it, it, it took me a while to actually believe that something could be so malevolent and so um, sort of top down driven and so uh, understood because it, it, it seems like it's impossible. Right. So how could people do this? How could people do this? Um, well, that's well, I think, to their own demise and future at that, you know, that's what's what I mean, mind boggling to me. What I mean is that, you know, you think how, you know, cause it just, at first it just seems absurd. Come on. These are just some, you know, some stoned out hippie guys, you know, Jerry, man, Jerry's like my uncle. He's just a big fat teddy bear. want to give Jerry a big hug. As long as he's had a shower in the past month. That's no, I'm just kidding. Oh, Sorry about that. Yuck. <laughs> I don't mean to say that about Jerry. I well, never you know. Mentioned. I mean, you know, he probably hadn't had a shower in the last month or two. You know, I think he's probably like, you know, I am. Um, I don't honestly like. I, I let's see. I'm trying to think of. Uh, I mean, you know, Mickey Hart. I, I ran into Mickey Hart here and there, or whatever. He's kind of a. He's the drummer dude. He's kind of a more of a bit player, but uh, I never met Jerry. I wouldn't be surprised though. Just like, you know, Alice Cooper, there was, um, you know, this, I remember that actually when I was a kid or something, like Alice Cooper was on the golf course with like Bob Hope and Gerald Ford, you know, like Mr. Crazy Rockstar hanging out with Gerald Ford, Gerald Ford, probably the most, one of the most boring men that ever lived, but uh, Bob Hope, man, you know, I mean, so he was dialed in, right? He was living the elite lifestyle um, based on what Jerry said right, about transhumanism, about artificial intelligence, about merging us into the great singularity, and this being the freedom, right, where everybody has their own private language. That's actually such a terrifying thought, is that there's no longer any way to communicate, where you just float around in your own mind, tripping out, you know, your own thought bubbles. I mean, it's extremely dark. Um, and so Jerry was highly intelligent. And so I wouldn't be surprised that Jerry actually was pretty much, you know, whining and dining, you know, at, you know, hanging out, you know, with, um, you know, going to the Rothschild mansion and stuff and whatever. Eating, eyes eating five-year-olds for breakfast and whatnot. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if Jerry, maybe Jerry was not, maybe Jerry got a conscience and they knocked him off or he just did too much dope. He got too fat. I don't know, man. But um, I just, the thing is you that know, people. I, I, I met mountain girl once and. I got nothing positive to say about meeting her. <laughs> that was obviously Jerry's wife for those who know. Yeah. And, and for those who think I'm being a sarcastic asshole, I am because I'd rather these, these people, um, when you see, if you look at the grateful dead and you start calculating because I've gotten, I mean, I've, uh, you know, and, and like lots of people, I've had many people reach out to me. In fact, there's a lot of material I've never even gotten into people that were very close to the dead. I know people personally, I got many, many stories of people who just, you know, went from, I mean, I know, you know, myself, I've seen and knew many, a number of people like that, but, you know, say one example, you know, a girl, straight A student goes to two dead shows. She ends up prostitute 10, five, 10 years later, she's dead. 
you know yeah i mean and this happened to hundreds of thousands well you know last uh last summer i went to the dead and company show out in uh la you know and that was probably like the I don't know. I've probably seen him like 10 times or something like that, but I hadn't gone in like 15, 20 years. And I just wanted to go to the show to observe all of the, you know, social degradation and whatnot that had uh, gone on in that, in that time. And uh, I'm, I'm just trying to see if I can find uh, some images of it, but you know, it was quite, interesting being at this show and seeing just the train wreck of people that were there at this thing you know i mean it's like the grateful dead goes through and they leave behind a you know a wash of destroyed lives you know and then you know it's the other you know so uh in August 2009, I interviewed uh, Chris Conrad, author of Hemp, Lifeline to the Future, and co-authored with Mickey Norris's wife, uh, Shattered Lives, Portraits of, of America's Drug War. You know, and they were behind a lot of the promotion. I had reached out to Chris last week to see if I could get him on the show to see if he still believes all of this needle exchange crap and everything that uh, they were promoting, you know, two decades ago. And, uh, you know, because all you have to do is walk around California in these big cities where you have needles, feces, the plague, rampant crime and everything. And you can see the total wipeout that these liberal drug policies have caused. And so, you know, what the, you know, what they did for their book was really an inversion where you know, the drugs themselves didn't cause any shattered lives. It was the drug laws trying to stop it. It's like this this libertarian philosophy that, uh, you know, that people should be able to sell and do whatever drugs they want without any ramifications for the damage done to families and society as a whole. So, you know, uh, I guess it was actually 2017 I went to that show. But, um, you know, you see the damage all over society these days. And, uh, you know, it's like, it's just absolutely crazy. But here's this uh, Dead show, the Dead and Company show from uh, uh, 2017. I can't believe it's already been two years since I went to that concert. But, um, you know, just the, the parking lot going in, into the place, just the whole freaking place was filled with wipeouts. And then, you know, there's who knows how many hundreds of thousands, millions of people that had their lives destroyed by this, but we're going to blame the government and the people who were locked up because of the drug war. We're going to, we're going to claim that those are the poor victims and not you know, who knows how many tens of thousands of people died from heroin, uh, from all of the drug overdoses and everything, you know. And we're supposed to believe that it's the drug war that was the problem and not the Grateful Dead and this whole hippie philosophy, you know. And, and you bought into it. I bought into it. You know, I've, <laughs> I was 
fully into that garbage, you know. It's like I wrote two books, you know, especially my first book promoting psychedelics and stuff like that. And now I look back and it's just like, you know, it's it's a nightmare. And Jan, weren't you tripping the I think you're actually on mushrooms that radio the first show we did together. I don't think so. <laughs> you talk about it in two thousand I'm messing with you, man. Just joking. But but yeah, you know, well, I'm actually gonna have to diverge a little bit with you in, in that statement because um now, if you really want to see something that, and this is something, I mean, I'm seeing this stuff happen real time, right? So, for example, there's a place I go over the summer. It's, a, you know, these beautiful small town in Ohio, Amish country, right? Uh, I, I hadn't been there since, uh, I guess, 2000, I forget when. It's about a year, maybe a little, a little more than a year, six, 16 months. I went back there, man. It's just wiped out. It's devastating. You go down... You know, you don't even see anybody under uh, under 30, really. There's some old people there. You go in the Walmart. There's prostitutes. And I mean, this is a, you know, in Amish country, it's it's a beautiful rolling hills. They have like the cheese museum. It's a nice area, beautiful area. And it was sort of the heartland. I've just seen that in maybe a year and a half. It's flattened. I mean, it is flattened. I mean, there is just like there's nothing left. It's And I used to, you know, love, it's called the Kokosing River. You know, I got little place down there right on the river it's kind of like a you know it's a vacation home you know trailer thing it's like not a you know i don't i don't hang out with the uh you know with bill gates and davos or something but you know it's a kokosing camp and canoe man you know with all the rednecks but used to you know beautiful place but they had this 10 mile nature trail whole nature trail is overgrown i'm literally saying you i went to walmart it was like something out of dawn of the dead it was it was frightening man it was I mean, like I said, they have prostitutes up there. People were just, I mean, it's it just, I mean, I'm seeing that in my eyes. Ohio is actually the epicenter of this opioid crisis. So what you had happen here is that um, there's several different factors. I mean, one of them is that, okay, first of all, you have, of course, the wonderful Sackler family, which massively pushed the opiates, um, you know, for everyone, whatever ails you, and then they cut off the opiates. But suddenly, you know, as a friend of mine who's a cop said, Actually, one of my novels, people should read it. I was researching the novel. I was actually hanging out with them, you know, going out, you know, on the on patrol and stuff. But it's cheaper to buy heroin to get you, I mean, a, a really nice amount of heroin than it is to buy a six-pack of beer. Okay. And this this stuff is coming from where? It's from Afghanistan. I mean, you know, but it, and so what happened is they cut the stuff off. And then at the same time, you have, you have to put this in the context of, the jobs, right? All the mills are gone. All these things had these nice industrial centers, right? So these small towns, this was the backbone of America. I um, mean, and, 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 and have you seen what's become of those uh, towns that if they're not totally wiped out now, but yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, well I mean, it's just, um, it, it's really, it's such a human tragedy. And, and that's why, you know, when I hear that white privilege sh shit, I'm sorry. I'm like, you know, you take that, and you just eat it for breakfast or something, man, because, you know, the privilege is that, you know, the privilege is that you've destroyed the fabric of this land as it was. Maybe, you know, it was better, you know, with Pocahontas and stuff. And, you know, I, I it probably was, but it hasn't been that way for like three, four hundred years or plus. Um, and they didn't have electricity, much less, you know, roads and everything like that. But the fact is that this is so what you have actually is that. You have the stuff, then you have it being promoted. You create a lifestyle, you, you take away the jobs, you have the sense of despair, 
Also, though, it's promoted within the media, within the counterculture, within the popular culture, right? So notice all these people, you know, these these rock stars, you know, Kurt Cobain, man. I, you know, I know a bunch of, right, we graduated high school, right? You know, when Nirvana came out, you know, I saw him playing at Stashes here. Yeah, he dude, just, I remember when Nirvana started coming out when I was a senior in high school, and I just thought the music was terrible at the time, but that's funny. Yeah, I used to play there with my punk band, The Shamed Insane, right? It's we had the drummer had just one he just had one tom <laughs> it was actually pretty pretty funny group but uh we didn't open for nirvana but you know the guy let us go in there but kurt was just sitting there you know sitting there at a table right just um i don't know man he just i didn't talk to him or anything i mean he was like there's kurt cobain he's just this dude kind of like you know he's kind of he's like he's kind of i mean i was pretty you know i was a young much younger hey, you remember his uh his wife's dad was the manager for the dead hank uh, harrison yeah and hank harrison was well who was who was he Court, a protege courtney, of? courtney loves dad what's that who was he a protege of the first principle of community organizing is community disorganizing the wonderful guy that dedicated his book to lucifer that's right saul linsky oh, so yeah, that's right. he was he was a direct protege of Solinsky, in fact, Solinsky said, you know, go forth, young men and young women, go forth and experiment in the field. You think and, I should you know, try to get uh, Hank Harrison on the show again? I emailed with him a bunch of times. He wasn't real happy with us exposing all this shit. Well, you know, I, I, I don't, you know what? I'm going to have an open mind and say, he said, you know, you just, just, you know, I'm not going to get in his face. I mean, like, dude, you're, you're Hank Harrison, man. I'm, we both, but I have an H in my name too. I named Hans. We got, you know, at least one letter of our names in common. So, <laughs> you know, we got something in common, Even, but, uh, oh, but, no, but this is one of the things that I highlighted that people don't realize is that Saul Linsky, right. Who is the, the current social, this world, our modern, the Antifa, the, all the protests, all this stuff that's going on in the universities. This is hundred percent Saul Linsky. Um, it's sort of, you know, hundred percent his, his, uh, his manual, his manifesto. I mean, and, um, and that's um, and so Hank Harrison, yeah, grateful dad. Uh, Hillary write one of her dissertations on Saul Alinsky too. She she did, yeah, she did. You know, and she's uh, Hillary's just. Uh, I'd like to hang out with Hillary, man. She she's like a dragon lady, you know. I bet she like. Well, yeah, cheap. you know she you know she sits there you know sucking the the bone marrow out of children's legs you know at dinner time just. She's probably. I mean, I, the thing about Hillary is I was going to go to one of her rallies that was here and I was just going to try to confront her. And I just, I had this nightmare that she's like, has a superhuman strength to come up there. She's like, picks you up, you know, crushes your neck and throws you in the air. I mean, she, you know, she, you know, she's, she's kind of like a, you know I mean? She could be like a superhero, you know I mean? She, would you be, I wouldn't be surprised if she could just like pick up a car and throw it. Yeah. Know? Well, you okay. know, cause she's, you know, you know, I mean, so many people had disappeared and there's so many bodies in there in the Clinton's wake and stuff. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if she could do that. She's probably like Satan incarnate, but you know what, you know, people are asking the, the name of the grateful dead and you and I had talked about this before. And then I figured it out because when you read the new Testament, it talks about those who are asleep and who don't understand that truth is God. They're called the dead and uh, they're not, you know, they're not awake. They're, you know, they're just, kind of blissfully uh ignorant they're dead they're they're not awake or aware and so the grateful dead are those who are grateful to be dead or asleep or 
high on drugs or under narco under the influence of narcotics, et cetera. They haven't woken up to Logos yet. So, you know, when you read the New Testament, you can see that this is where the idea of the Grateful Dead comes from, and it's very in your face at that point. Yeah, well, I mean, the Grateful Dead, uh, you know, and again, um, the main critique I used to have, you know, about the Grateful Dead is that, you know, Jerry Garcia, just his guitar solos are boring. Um, I'm not a great singer, that's true, but I, I don't like out-of-tune vocals. Like, you know, you want me, you want me to sing uh, St. Stephen? Sing oh, yeah, sure. Stephen. I can actually I, sing pretty well, but, you know, I do it like shit. kind of weird ad hoc stuff, like in the moment. Like somebody will say... Dude, I'm gonna three say three words. We... Somebody will say three words and I'll turn it into a song, and I do it all the time. It's pretty weird. Okay, Jan, you just—I think that was a little bit of a one-upmanship there, bro. So we're, we're gonna have a fifty bucks. Who's the better singer? To, uh, we'll uh, I don't know if it. I could do it live, man. I, well, that's—it's it's I mean, like that's... I've never tried it into a microphone before. You never tried it into a microphone? Yeah, yeah. like uh, singing, <laughs> smart ass. Singing, I know, I know, but. You know, but so the Grateful Dead, um, yeah, I, I am being a sort, but the reason I'm being sort of <laughs> flippant, but that's, you know, 50 bucks. Who's the better singer? We have to pick. Just don't get, don't make me sing Zeppelin, please. Uh, I, I don't, I don't. Oh, sorry. You know, you got to sing. Now, where does it, where does his note start? He's, he's all the way up. He's got a, he's, you know, he's, he's like, a, you know, he's like Unix Soprano. Well, he's like he's kind of he's like a he's like a mezzo soprano female range, but uh, <laughs> I, I, see, I'm tempted. I, to I just had to throw in the eunuch thing, but uh, I, I I think that your 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 air guitar <laughs> didn't have enough soul on it, so I think I got okay. one point fifty bucks <laughs> on it. Well, we weren't judging for air guitars, so and you're a real guitarist, and oh. I'm not so. Oh, touche. I, I had a guitar once when I was 14, but I never learned how to play. So there's my limit right there. Did you smash it like Pete Townsend? <laughs> Should have just smashed it. I came it. home one day and my dad had sold it, actually. <laughs> That's even worse. You probably regret that day. I could have been, I could have been in the, I could have been like Sid Vicious. No, but, um, no, but back to the dead, um, you know, that, uh, you know, again, that's the reason I'm, I'm kind of being joking just because I'm, I'm so angry inside because these guys, you know, you know what? I've been nuts. I've actually haven't sworn for almost like six months. So, uh, and I'm not going to do you're it swearing tonight. I didn't really swear. I mean, I, the S S H word is not really swearing. I didn't say anything. If I start swearing, man, yeah. the whole, the whole rest I think of the most, you know, around me, most people have stopped saying the GD word and stuff. You know, people are kind of like over saying that term at least. Cause once you get what logos is, you don't want a damn truth anymore. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, there is there is a certain type of rage, though, wherein the swear the words because our language, you know, I can go into very high levels of erudition to describe the the debacle that these malignant uh, malignant uh, ne'er do wells have have done. But uh, when you realize that it's first of all, there's innocence, right? There's an age of innocence. You have exploration. It's not that per se even rock and roll is inherently evil, but the movement's been co-opted. And these guys are, okay, again, the warlocks, you've got all these guys got intelligence connections. You know, Jerry Garcia, of course, had top security working in a missile silo, and they just let them out. And then they do this band, and they're doing the acid test, which you went into. When you look at the acid test and just see their glee as they're just probably 
permanently traumatizing and damn I mean, could you imagine me tripping balls around those those freaks, you know? And and um, but anyways, you know, and then of course then you know the uh, Ken Kesey driving around the country, you know, distributing LSD all over the country. So what LSD did, you know, what that did, I mean, first of all, I it I I would stand by which I said many times is that what every the the, the craziness we see today, like the you know, five-year-old kids being taught how to, you know, taught how to masturbate or simulate anal sex. We're learning about anal sex at age five now in, in our elementary schools. Where's the outcry? That would not have been possible if it hadn't been for the hippie era. Because yeah. the disillusion of the center, um, you know, and then and then there is a point where you can kind of float around and you get comfortable in this and that, but there is a point also that either you have to go cross over and embrace the uh, embrace the darkness or else just, you know, I guess you just live as this kind of uh, you know, this like you know, white bread, man, I just really want to swear, man, but I'm stopping myself. All right. You just a white bread piece of junk. And, um, you know, you do that, but again, these guys, this was not an accidental thing. This counterculture, this is what we look at, you know, the, 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 you know, the work of the, the LSD research MK Ultra project. They said the next phase is to explore disseminated into very large, large scale social groups also you it's almost like the vectors of a disease right so what you're doing they had you know you can have your uh, prison prison you know populations right i used to as a you know as a three-year-old kid i used to hang out with leonard peltier actually in lewisburg penitentiary and they did a lot of uh you know that that's like a hardcore maximum security prison I'm sure everyone knows who leonard peltier is right the native american yeah. guy. Yeah. so you were you were hanging out in there like serving time I, 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 I literally was i, I would literally um it, i wasn't I myself did not go there on my own volition, but I was taken there by my parents who were working with the free Leonard Peltier campaign. So we got to hang out. I met him. Uh, it just, it was, I don't know. It, it's kind of a, a blur. Um, they probably slipped me some LSD, you know, I mean, they were doing MK ultra experiments stuff actually at Lewisburg penitentiary. Yeah. But anyways, so you have these different sort of, you have, you know, of course the CIA, you know, given it, you know, you got the, you know, the, 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 the men, you know, hanging out with the prostitutes, with the, the one way, one way mirror and then they're tripping. I wonder, you know, how that went, you know, probably a lot of stuff went down. And of course the, uh, the wonderful scientist who jumped out the window, you know, that, that, that. but so that was uh, the first range of experimentation, but these are closed populations, right? So you got a prison population, you know, and basically, um, I mean, if you heard these stories, right, they basically got all the heroin they wanted, right? As long as they, they just took these massive, doses of LSD every single day. Like these guys were taking so much LSD in the prison. They were just getting like, I mean, it was like, you know, you know, um, you know, Jim Morrison, the lizard King, man, he had, he didn't even have, he didn't even have a thumbnail on these cats. You know I mean? These guys were taking like, you know, like 20 sheets a day of LSD, 50 sheets, you know, I mean, just massive amounts. And then they get their heroin and beer, you know, and, and these guys are all in prison. I mean, that must've been a weird time for sure. But what do you do? You, you disseminate it into the population, you set the ground with, of course, the doors of perception, right? If the doors of perception were cleansed, we could see nature as it is infinite, which I agree with, right? The doors of perception. But what indeed are the doors of perception? Who is a perceiver? Where is the mind? What is the mind? What is truth? Is there a truth? Now, where we start going wrong in this journey is that, yes, the doors of perception are diluted. They are clouded. We don't see what's around us. Most people see their projections, their habits. Um, they see what they have to do 
you know, and they don't even see the other people around them, you know, and that, that's a fact. So that, yeah. so, but let's move on a little bit further. Um, and the doors of perception are cleansed by how through, well, I guess you can, you know, do this. Taking of, massive doses of psychedelic drugs per Aldous Huxley, who wrote the doors of perception. Well, of course. Yeah. Aldous Huxley, but also through this kind of meditation, this kind of uh, course in miracles, like that's back in the news at another oh, one wow, of the MPL too. Yeah. Well, so, that was who, you know, and I want to talk about Arthur Stoll in a minute, but uh, uh, hold on a second. I just want to bring that up because that was, uh, that was, what was his name? Sorry, that was written by Helen Shuckman and William Thetford. And William Thetford was CIA MKUltra subproject 89 and 69, you know. And uh, people can look the citations up there in the database. But, you know, the Course of Miracles, you know, and Carl Rogers was over him. And he was a, a big CIA uh, doctor. And he was behind the, cure, uh, the manufacturing of neurolinguistic programming and nonviolent communication. And uh, oversaw uh, Marshall Rosenberg that promotes all the NVC crap. And he was involved in the Changing Images of Man project out of Stanford. And then uh, he was part of uh, MKUltra Subproject 97. You know, so, uh, but going back to, uh, you know, really quickly, because people were talking about LSD in there, and somebody brought up they'd like to know more about uh, the invention of LSD before it was handed off to Albert Hoffman. And, you know, I've looked into that and I strongly believe that Arthur Stoll is really who invented LSD. And then, uh, probably around 1918, uh, to 1928 or so. And then they had, uh, you know, 20 plus years of time to do human experimentation. And then, uh, to cover it up and make it look like a brand new inv investigation, they pass the invention over to Albert Hoffman, who was under Albert, uh, who, who was under Arthur Stoll at Sandoz. But you know, Arthur Stoll in his uh, in his book, oh goodness, now this thing is going crazy here. If I can get it up here, in his book he talks about uh, how. Uh, in this company, he was president from 1949 to 1956, director from 1964. He held the office of president of the board. He developed together with his employees a range of methods for producing drugs. Thus, he developed the first isolation of ergot alkaloids as ergotamine and ergobasin. Uh, and then uh, cardiac uh, glycosides, which are used as a medicine for heart diseases and migraines, a continuous process for the production of soluble calcium salts was developed, but I think this was going on much before then. And then uh, there's this really weird book by Picard called Liquid Conspiracy on page 71. And, uh, you know, the book d doesn't hold a lot of credibility, but, you know, it was an interesting read. And in it, it says... Uh, According to Albert Hoffman or Al Hubbard, Hoffman's knowledge of LSD effects came about several years prior to his recollection. So, you know, there's the the other issue there and why the disputed chronology is there something to hide? If there is something to hide, it may lie in the early series of experiments with LSD conducted by Hoffman's supervisor, Dr. Stoll. These tests mm. were often conducted without the knowledge and permission of his patients. This pattern was unfortunately repeated on numerous occasions, 
and resulted in the destruction of many lives. The conclusions of the study were published in the Swiss pharma, uh, pharmacolo Pharmacological Journal. The new Ergot Alkali, Al uh, Arthur Stoll Science, new series, blah, blah, blah. And you can see the citation here. But, uh, you know, so, and then Leo Perutz wrote the book, um, uh, St. Peter's Snow, of like a decade before LSD was supposedly discovered, discussing the the invention of a drug found in, in grains that was used to start a communist revolution. And I've talked about this in my articles before, but, you know, people can read all of uh, that. At, what was that article? I forget. But it may have been... Uh, the second or third one in the series I did on uh, on on the invention or on the uh, the whole history of MK Ultra on my website found uh, you know on the on the website there at logosmedia.com. But uh, and then Max Perutz, interestingly enough, I tried to track these guys and I I emailed with one of his relatives and of course uh, as soon as I started asking the right questions the responses got cut off but his his uh, cousin Max Perutz was a member of the Royal Society and Nobel Prize winner and then that's pretty much where it got cut off but I couldn't get any more uh, responses out of them after I had followed up and then interestingly Francis Crick uh, was you know in in working relationship with Max Perutz and of course Francis Crick was uh, who claimed that he got a lot more uh research capacity using LSD and then uh he was the guy who came up with uh uh DNA testing and whatnot and then uh you know yeah Car also Car he, Car he Mullis. what's that no it's interesting like like DNA testing was I think that they were on an LSD trip and they came up with that as well as uh you know the Apple computers and you know, all that. Right. So it's interesting, yeah. the, these mythologies. And, you know, I, I, I just, just, I'm just gonna throw this out there. And Jan, I, this is the really important information because this, you know, you know, to, to go through this, this is a rock solid case. There is no, you know, it, it's not something that just is floating out in space. And again, you shall know the, you should know them by their fruits, right? We're witnessing that right now. But uh, anyway, yeah, just, just go ahead, man. I, Oh, no worries, you know, but, yeah. you know, the whole invention of LSD thing is really interesting. Willis Harriman, who is another working in MKUltra, you know, and I, I wrote about this whole issue in my article, uh, geez, what was it called? Um, Spies in Academic Clothing. Let me just pull it up here really quickly. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I wanted to read this quote because he makes it clear and in his quote, Willis Harriman does, and just let me show who he was in the database. Yeah, I'm not. Is there any way I can see that? I guess. Uh, well, you'd have to see it on the uh, YouTube screen where the audience can see it. Sorry about that. Um, you know, I've never I've never done that. I'm going to do this for the very first time. I'll actually. And hopefully we don't live. choke out your uh, Internet there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so Willis Harriman, Project MKUltra, he was a part of the Changing Images of Man project, again, uh, Institute of Noetic Sciences, et cetera, Stanford Research Institute. <coughs> but um, so let me see, in a curious connection, uh, senior scientist at Stanford uh, Research Institute, known as SRI, <coughs> the initiator of the Institute's uh, 
Futures Research Program and later the president of the Institute of Noetic Sciences suggested in an interview on ABC Radio in 1977 that the origins of LSD began with an esoteric or mystical movement specifically following the 20th century mystic Rudolf Steiner. As Harriman explains, the story of LSD really starts in 1935 with a group of followers of this German mystic and members of this group set out very deliberately to synthesize chemicals which were like the natural vegetable substances, which they were well aware had been used in all the world's major religions, religious traditions down through the centuries. Of course, you know, Genesis 3 in the Bible warns against uh, that, but, you know, they have to add their spin, which I fell for, obviously, in, in the early 2000s with my first book. As Herman continues, by 1938, they had synthesized psilocybin, LSD, and about 30 other drugs. Herman thus suggests that LSD had been deliberately synthesized for its connection to religious religiosity, and at least five years before our history records say that the substance was first administered to humans, to a human by Hoffman himself, uh, more extraordinarily, uh, Harriman's remarks directly make the claim that psilocybin had been identified and isolated at least 20 years before the time on the record in all of the histor uh, histories of psilocybin about the first identification, isolation, and chemical synthesis of this alkaloid by Albert Hoffman and his colleagues in 1958, and at least seven years before the first Western study of the use of magic mushrooms by R. Gordon Wasson in 1955. Herrmann's claims are not supported by any written evidence, so it would be irresponsible to speculate too long on the possibility. You know, so, and this is from Reg TV, but interestingly, uh, you know, so here we have Dr. Willis Harriman at Stanford Research Institute working on changing images of man. He's an MKUltra doctor. He's working with Al Hubbard, Humphrey Osmond, uh, Dr. James Fadiman, Timothy Leary, Joseph Campbell, all, you know, Oscar Janiger, Sidney Cohen, all these, these uh, MKUltra con artists. And he's saying that this is the real timeline of this stuff. And then we're supposed to believe you know, the the last comment, oh, but there's nothing in the written record to support this, as if the CIA is going to, you know, uh, put that on the front page of the frickin' New York Times, right? So uh, when we go into Spies and Academic Clothing, I had written that up um, as well. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, let's see. The story starts way back in 1935 with a group of followers of the German mystics. So basically, I've got the same thing there. Five years later, in 1943, when Europe was in really bad shape, they decided, apparently, that possible... Here, let me see. That possible yeah, negative... Yeah. Sorry, I think I'm tripping. I'm watching myself on the on the YouTube, and it's like this weird delay, so I feel like I'm oh, tripping. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's it. like a 15-second delay there, so sorry about that. But No, uh, that, that's cool, but you're, 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 keep going, man. Sorry. No yeah, worries. Yeah. So uh, mm -hmm. let's see. I decided apparently that possible negative consequences were nothing compared to the consequences of not doing this. You know, so basically they saw what was happening with World War One and World War Two that the elites created as a genocide against the masses, and then they blame the masses for the genocide. The people who were genocided get the blame for it. Of course, typical inversion and spin there. And then now two members of this group, which lived in a very tight religious community, were in the Sandoz Chemical Laboratory. That's partly how this project came to be. One of them was the uh, was 
the chemist, Dr. Albert Hoffman, he cooked up the newspaper story that everyone has heard now about the accidental ingestion of LSD and the realization of what its properties were after an amazing bicycle ride home and the visions and so on. This group quietly gave supplies of the chemical to a number of doctors around the world. And that's from Willis Harriman from that ABC Australian radio book that the other quote mentions. But, you know, they they cover up this whole idea, uh, you know, and, and clearly Harriman is is admitting here that the whole Bicycle Day story is, you know, nonsense drivel for retarded hippies to believe, you know. And, uh, you know, go celebrate, LSD, yay! You know, meanwhile, it's this whole mind control thing. But, you know, it's it, it covers up the 20-some-odd years of prior human experimentation, and, you know, from Arthur Stoll. And my light is giving me issues here. From uh, Arthur Stoll and these guys, and then moves the invention 20 to 25 years forward. Uh, what was it? I guess 1948, I think, was the actual invention date. And I, you know, it's like I'd have to go back and reread my own work. It's been a while. But uh, so they they use Albert Hoffman as a cover story to cover up the invention and all of the years of prior human experimentation that that they had done, including, you know, Pont Saint Esprit and all of this other stuff that, you know, came about later, which I, I wrote about. Yeah. Well, let me just... Uh... Dude, singing, I, be, I better throw some facts out there. We may have to forego the singing contest here um, if, if I don't have a psycho, psychological breakdown watching myself. Looks like some kind of a a big, uh, what is it? The, well, your forehead is huge, you know, so you're going to have to, it's going to make you really focus on it now. No, it's just because of the weird place. <laughs> I, was that the guy that I, was just that, I just learned the term, this Shamu. five head. The, the Shamu. I, when I, I saw myself, I felt I was looking at Shamu, the killer whale, you know, the, <laughs> you know but it, there it ties into John Lilly. Um, you know, let's just see, let's just keep going with this because you see, you start to see, first of all, um, we've got, you know, David Snyderman, um, who was the guy that was hanging out with the Rolling Stones, passing out LSD with them. You got this, you know, and, and then connected also potentially with the pedophilia, You've got um, you've got this whole. Of course, you got Owsley, right? Who was one of the largest LSD distributors uh, in the world? Who also uh, helped bring about the demise of the '60s by providing STP, which is um, even though, of course, Jimi Hendrix's song "The Stars Up Above" that played with Laughing Sam's Dice, STP LSD, right? STP. Basically, people would go on these psych have total psychotic breaks they would never recover from and because of the the uh, latency time how long it took for stp to take place um, for that stuff to hit um you people would take these huge doses and a lot of times they'd be permanently psychotic it was yeah. just a horrendous thing. oh but well you know but it's it's the it's the drug war that's causing the destroyed lives well, that's what that, that's what chris conrad and these guys want us to believe right and what does stp stand for of course serenity tranquility and peace but right well you we know did i did i ever tell you i had an email exchange with uh tim scully who was one of the uh producers of orange sunshine and stp in this crap uh did i ever tell you about my email exchange with him no you did he he had just gotten out of prison he had served like 10 or 20 years in prison for you know pushing lsd out onto the kids and destroying hundreds of thousands of people's lives and 
he was the just the nastiest, you know, person. I should I should publish those emails one day, but he is just a real uh, you know, you know what? I don't I don't even want to say it. Like like you know, again, it's, it's somebody that you can't say anything good about, you know. But, you know, who would go around for the CIA and and he was under direction of uh of uh, Aldous Huxley and uh, and Stanley Bear uh, Osley, and you can read about it in the Brotherhood of Eternal Love, page eighty-two forward and eighty-eight, eighty-nine, and one twelve by Tendler and May, and Storming Heaven, uh, page three fifteen and three sixteen. But this guy was making massive quantities of LSD and helping the Merry Pranksters and these people and the Grateful Dead promote it, along with uh, Stanley Osley. You know, and uh, destroying as many people's lives as he possibly could. Yeah, and and, and I'll just dry, dry. I'll draw kind of a wide net here, just to touch on a few other things. Is connected to right. So we have um, this LSD stuff. We have this connected with Jimmy Savile. We have this connected with this ped- pedophile rings. We have uh, Reese saying that. And this is a direct quote. Uh, we need the psychological shock troops. This is right after World War II. You know, these psychological shock troops will sort of uh, uh, basically transform the society. But these, of course, will be the brainwashed psychological shock troops. And then notice this process of conditioning is that you have, again, you have this, um, you have this sort of we can do anything love's gonna change the world and then suddenly you got altamont you got stp you've got you know charles manson you know hanging out there with rosemary's baby which is amazing because i just watched that movie again man and that ties into the stuff so much you know what they say in rosemary's baby said satan is born it's now year one 1966 is year do you, one do you remember when i interviewed sue palakis the the the, the mother of that baby that was killed in that do you remember that years ago? Um, vaguely, you know, I you remember to... Vito Palakis. Uh, oh who... yeah, Vito. Oh yeah, yeah, Vito. Yeah, Vito, Vito, Vito. The uh, I mean, Vito was the guy. This is like that's one of those weird, you know. Vito's this guy, like you know. I mean, he's hanging out with these like eighteen, nineteen year old, twenty year old kids, and he's like what pushing late forties, and he's this kind of creepy, swarthy kind of uh, you know Neanderthal type of dude. But and they just they'd go out, and nobody liked these bands. You know what? Everyone hated the bands. They thought they sucked. But then these, you know, the freak dancers, they'd show up and they just dance and and freak out. And, and then, the, you know, the audience started to come because of this huge spectacle. And of course, Zappa um, very clearly calls this out. I mean, if you listen to his albums, like absolutely free. Um, we're only in it for the money. Um, you know, like uh, who would know they would freak out and I mean, freak out in Boston or like, see what, um, you know, I'll try to remember, uh, I, I know. I'll leave home. I'll, I'll go sleep on Owsley floor or whatever, you know? So he, and he was making this stuff in 1967, even before the summer love, cause he was right there, you know, um, you know, and sort of uh, mocking kind of a controller. Yeah. Um, I, I do think, I mean, Zappa definitely is a quite talented. Musician. You know, it's funny as I searched up uh, Palakis and, and uh, somebody used the image from my website for him on uh, uh church and empire dot blog spot for that. But you know, this is the image I have. This is Sue here, you know, and she, of course, denied everything in the uh, interview and played stupid. But um, it was hard to buy her her narrative. And, of course, 
you know, he was in his 30s when, when they started sleeping together, and she was, what, 16? So, you know, there's that pedophilia thing again, you know? Well, I mean, 1966, you know, that's the, the year, right? That's year one. And Rosemary's Baby, this all ties in. But let me just, I'll just throw a few more things out there. So then what we have in 1970, we got, what, Club of Rome, Future Shock. You know, we've got all these, you know, population bombs. So all this kind of, uh, you know, end of the world stuff, gloom, you know, gloom and doom. You can't have kids. You got to, you got to just, uh, you know, have lots of uh, get divorces and just, you know, find yourself. It's the me generation, which ties into, of course, in miracles. Um, and then, then which ties into what? It ties into cybernetics and ties into cyberspace and ties into the modern internet because that was absolutely 100% connected with cybernetics, um, the whole cybernetic systems theory, the cybernetic types of programming, um, where the word, of course, cyberspace, all this stuff grew directly. This was the, the secondary offshoot of this whole thing, where you have kind of the, the scientific arm, and you, of course, have God and Gollum, right? God and Gollum. And that is the Gollum, right? The, uh, and Reese's Gollum is the, uh, the Gollum, the psychological shock troops are the, are the hippies. You know, we can change the world. But anyways... So all this stuff has happened, and it's it's actually really fascinating how it's all interconnected together, and in fact, how much that they reveal, like the Grateful Dead. I'm Uncle Sam. How do you do? You know, if you understand, you know. But the other thing is just um, I'll, I'll let you go. You know, back on your stuff because you've got the you know the onslaught of facts, which I love. But look at Course in Miracles, man. Course in Miracles, how much work that took to put that thing together. And I'm, I'll say, I went through that whole damn book, man, when I was I, I went out through about like 220 or 30 lectures or lessons before. Well, I then stopped. it started to repeat. This is a miracle. I'm seeing a miracle. Uh, okay. But you know, I mean, I know people, hopefully my family members aren't listening to this. They're really into it. Now I'll probably they'll really hate me, but I mean, cause the thing is though, it's, it's so insidious. And that's what I want to stress is that there is this, Sense, okay, the doors of perception are closed, right? There is a sense that we can have a much greater connection with the universe, with the worlds, with ourselves, you know, etc. That's that's true. I don't disagree. I, I think that there are higher modes of perception. There's higher levels, higher vistas of consciousness. Okay, so that being said, Aldous Huxley, ultimately, what does he conclude his perennial philosophy, that, that book that I read like it was a Bible, is that he always said basically – just turn off your mind and just, just kind of, you just got to stop thinking and just sit there and, you know, and then you just, then you're like God, then you, then you are God and, and, and do drugs, dude. And listen to the grateful dead. Well, man. well, the perennial philosophy though was, was the shot across the bow. That was a pre psychedelic. That was a scientific version of it. Right. That was a scientific version of it where that was, that was a shot across the bow. Um, so but then, Really quickly, uh, 101 EZB says, heavily promoted in America, calls for the making of the public want a, to want a hive mind through psychic experimentation. Have you heard of this? I mean, yeah, that's kind of what we've been talking about through all well, of our shows and through like I, a decade of this show. I, I had a very extensive segment. In fact, um, there's a great interview with... Um, uh, the whole earth catalog guy. Right. And he's saying that, yeah, yeah I was Stuart, hanging out Stuart with brand. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Brand, Mr. Well, I'm just trying to use his name is whole earth catalog guy. That's the whole earth. That's our, our one world. And he says very directly, he's like, Hey, 
we were doing experiments. Every day would be a different type of an experiment. We were actually really scientists. So I don't really see a disconnect between my life in the counterculture and my embrace of modern technologies. So, and one thing that they talked about is really fascinating that I, I got all these interviews, which are now unavailable. Hopefully I still have the audio files that I, I spent, you know, hundred, no, hundreds of hours, but I spent a lot of time tripping on LSD and, and cutting up all these interviews with like Pigpen. But one thing that they talked about, I think it was Pigpen or the other guys, they talked about these experimentations where they would create this hive mind and how they would entrain this hive mind and had all these different types of things and all these different types of psychic things. But one of the, the things they were working for was this hive mind and they had specific techniques to induce it. And he talks about the various criteria and how people, and he said something like, you can't let someone else's energy get into you because people would actually go insane. And I had it say, yeah, we know people that lost it and had to be locked up in the funny farm. Ha ha ha. Because when you're in the hive mind, and then you don't really have those barriers between people and someone else's energy comes. So they were doing hive mind experimentation uh, in, in very great detail. And that's, again, of course, what Jerry's talking about, the hive mind. But again, it's the it's the Well, that's collective. what the wall of sound was created for as well, you know. Remember the wall of sound, all of the uh, dead speakers, you know, that huge wall of sound that they were using to uh, hypnotize the audience. Remember that? We talked about yeah. that like five years ago. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, it's uh, and the Grateful Dead, man. I mean, luckily, the first time I went to see him, I, I bought these mushrooms. I spent all my money, and then the dude I was with just started laughing at me because they were shiitake mushrooms. He's uh. like, "You gonna make some Japanese food tonight?" I'm like, "Dude, these are look how much I got." He's like, "Yeah, well, we can get some miso soup." And, and I, was like, I that, that's how I'm lucky, though. I probably, if I had been on mushrooms, I probably wouldn't be here talking to you today. I'd, I'd be, you know, hanging out with Hillary. You know, but um, go go ahead and dive in. Though. I just wanted to throw some of those broader context things in there and just continue what you're doing because it's super interesting. Dive into to which aspect? No, you're just going through all the history of the LSD and all those. Connections. Oh yeah, well, you know, I mean, I should probably write a uh, you know, I could probably do a specific short paper just on questioning the whole Hoffman bike uh, bicycle day story because it's such nonsense and. It's a story that I started tracking five or six years ago, maybe seven years ago, you know, and uh, I ended up having uh, Arthur Stoll's entire book translated from German into English so that I could go through it and and see what the heck was being said there. And uh, so I have a copy of that in, in English. But, uh, you know, the whole thing is just it's it's uh, nonsense, you know, and so were you know, the official history with all of the SRI and CIA MK Ultra people is that you shouldn't believe Willis Harriman on this one thing, but he's a really respectable guy and researcher on uh, just about everything else, you know. And he was who published the letters stating that uh, Al Hubbard was a secret agent for the U.S. Army and, uh, you know, doing... Uh, secret work, etc. So, but, you know, they want us to believe that we shouldn't just buy this one comment from Harriman discussing the Albert Hoffman's whole story is a totally made up fraud. And I think that there's probably a lot more credence to it than they uh, want us to believe, you know? Well, and we have to, I think one thing that people forget is that, um, 
See, you know, d- let me just hold that thought. Right, right, sure, sure. So, okay, so the official story is that Hoffman invented LSD in 48 and then discovers it in 53 with the infamous retarded bicycle ride that all the hippies buy into. Uh, but it says, uh, Harriman states that by 1938, they had, they had created LSD, psilocybin, and about 30 other drugs. He, and I'm reading this from my Spies and Academic clo- uh, Clothing article. Uh, he claims that they began to synthesize them in 1935, but we know from St. Peter's Snow by Leo Perutz, published in 1933, that LSD must have been invented in or before 1933. Obviously, by 1938, uh, they would have had to have known the outcome of what they were trying to do, and again, Targeting the masses with drugs was hardly the way to stop a war created by the elite, which was a genocide against those very masses, which, of course, is what they're trying to do now, getting the kids hooked on drugs to genocide them, essentially. I mean, how many people died from these drugs and and, and all this crap that the Grateful Dead had all promoted? And how exactly would they know five years later that releasing the drugs would somehow help the masses and end the war. It's, you know, the whole story is absolutely ridiculous. It makes no logical sense on the official uh, creation of um, LSD. So, uh, you know, and so then we see, uh, and here's the citation for, uh, United States Army, Department of the Army, dated uh, 23rd of November, 1970-something, and then the last uh, number is blotted out, so you can't reach it. read it. Excuse me. Stanford Research Institute Security D- Division. And, gentlemen, I have received certain documents from Special Agent A.M. Hubbard, or Al Hubbard, which was the Johnny Appleseed of LSD, given to me by Major William E. Smith. Very truly yours, Dolly B. Smith, secretary to Major Smith. And then, uh, so in the 1970s, the Department of Army is still calling Al Hubbard a special agent. And it's also clear that in 1970s, uh, SRI was still involved with mind control operations headed by Willis Harriman, who in 1968 gave Hubbard the job as a special investigative agent. You know, so this is all laid out in my article, uh, Spies in Academic Clothing, that I've gotten so much uh, flack for, for publishing, you know. So uh, anyway, go ahead. What was that thought you were holding? I don't know, man. I just, <laughs> I'm tripping out watching myself. It's like this delay. It's like I'm seeing trails. <laughs> I don't, I really don't. Uh, I, you know, I'm not really fat, but the, the angle of the camera makes me look fat. So that I'm like, I think I'm going to become anorexic or something. It's just else. your five head, you know, or maybe I'm, maybe I'm actually a killer whale, dude. I don't know. <laughs> but um, anyways, you, what I was going to say is that one thing people forget is that there was quite advanced levels of science in the 18th well especially 19th century there was quite a lot of uh developments in sciences especially in chemistry even in areas of chemistry physics uh even in psychology um and things like that and so there's a lot of things that you even start looking at you know uh you know uh you know likening the mind to a computer there's even early you know types of you know cybernetics 
yeah. or for even formulating, you know, computers and things like that. But, um, and in the Victorian age, I just wanted to, to bring to people's mind that was a, that during the Victorian age, I mean, people were just, they were high all the time and you got your laudlum, you just go down to the drugstore, get your cocaine, of course, uh, and many, many other types of drugs. So they're, you know, synthesizing um, a variety of, of forms of extractions of, uh, you know, both uh, cocaine and, 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 um, and an opium plant. And in fact, the uh, synthesization of the, uh, the psilocybin is, is not, um, okay, well, I'm not an expert, but I think it's not quite as, uh, you know, a, intensive a process to do that for the, for the, um, you know, for, for the, the, the mushrooms. And of course, I mean, people had known, you know, I mean, it's not like this is a new thing. I mean, you know, the people knew about the stuff for thousands of years. It's not like, Oh, suddenly we just discovered these guys are taking mushrooms. No, I mean, the Lotus eaters, right. That, you know, go same with Eric Coleridge or even going back to you know, the Greeks talk about it. So it wasn't like some new thing of people taking hallucinogenic drugs and things like that. Right. So, um, you know, but again, so it, it, it stands in my opinion, if you look at like 1938, if you look at some of these sort of destructive um, modalities that are occurring, that it it may well be that they knew quite, quite well what the effects of LSD would be on society. And so the cover story, right? And again, um, you, you know, we always have to, to watch out about of positing that the government is a monolithic entity, right? It's not. So there's probably a lot of people. There were many people. You got, you know. You know, people that well, were, you that know, was, like Senator that, McCarthy. That was you know, uh, Marty Lee and Bruce Lane's crappy argument in Acid Dreams that I exposed. In fact, they said, you know, in fact, they use those exact words. Here, let me. Uh, uh, here. Uh, no, that was sorry. That was Jay Stevens, I think. Or hold on. Let me see. Let me just check here really quickly. I think there was another one. Oh, yeah. So that was Marty Lee and Bruce Lane. The CIA is not an omniscient op monolithic organization and there is no hard evidence that it engineered the great lsd conspiracy or a great lsd conspiracy which of course in this article i show is complete horseshit as is their book you know marty lee and bruce lane the, the book acid dreams is hands down the worst book written on cia mind control there is you know they use so much misdirection in fact they cite the video of Leary and these guys admitting that they're undercover agents, they cite the video five times and then omit that they admit they're undercover agents, you know, in that. So, you know, like Leary admitting our undercover agents in Los Angeles were very cool about, and yet they did more in a very laid back way. And it's every bit, uh, and it's never been as public as some of the other, you know, the buses running around the country painted in day glow. And that's oh, yeah. Larry right there admitting that he was an agent. But, you know, that's not the only place that uh, Leary admits he's an agent. Let me see. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And let me qualify my statement. Yeah, uh, just, I'm not... let, let me just read this quote and then I'll pass okay. it back over to you. So mm -hmm. uh, Leary says, I proceeded as an intelligence agent since 1962, understanding that the next war for control of this planet and beyond had to do with the control of consciousness. Yes, he answered strongly. I was a witting agent of the CIA. Yeah, and then you have you know nonsense like uh, like Marty Lee and Bruce Lane, the the, the worst you know uh, spin artists in in history. You know, trying to cover up all of the evidence. Yeah, well, I want to state is that the CIA are the good guys, man. Come on, don't diss the CIA. No, uh, no, <laughs> no yeah. I, 
No, I, what it says, well, you, you have to I see think there this, are this. a lot of good guys in government, but the vast majority of the no, people no. in the CIA aren't them, you know? No, no, no. Of course. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to posit is, you know, you have this um, divisionary uh, tactic. So you have a lot of people, some, at least some people, you know, say in the FBI and the Senate, you know, of course, you have a lot of people also that are not there, but you have a, a, a large body of Americans that are looking at this, this, you know, this, this deliberately, um, you know, this total um, dissolution of uh, societal values. And then um, as my father was a member, all... go ahead. Yeah, you know, my father was in SDS, right? Students for Democratic Society, right? Back in the day. So I'm a far left uh, Sieg Heil. I mean, sorry, Sieg Lenin. I know you say there's nothing like there's like the fist, I guess. No, but yeah, actually, that's that... the fist where you go around murdering anybody who doesn't believe yeah. you and saying it's the right that's the bad people. Well, but just, you know, to stress, because my dad showed me pictures, you see the anti-war rallies. There's a bunch of guys in suits and ties, well-dressed with women wearing nice skirts, and they're very serious. And so that was the anti-war movement before LSD hit it, as, as people have said. But let me just read this uh, quote here from uh, um, Bertrand Russell, uh, Influence Science Society, real quick, and then. I'll pass it back to you. But so I wanted to say just to see this, this way that it works, right? So you think that that's how guys like you and I, right? The hippies, you think you're going against the man, but actually, you know, you're as, falling as, right uh, into it. You're being uh, led uh, down their, their intentional uh, 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 path. As, yeah. As uh, you know, as you know, I'm uncle Sam, how do you do? <laughs> how you do? Jer I mean, if once you start to see through these guys, I mean, it's, but the thing is, then you go to the really, the diet, the more diabolical kind of occult aspect of it, which ties in the, the, uh, the Kilafat and all that negative Kabbalah stuff, which is their symbol of the snake, right? That's a two headed snake so that people can listen to those shows about the Kilafat to understand the deeper level of this. Anyways, Bertrand Russell, physiology and psychology afford fields for scientific technique, which still await development. Two great men, Pavlov and Freud have laid the foundation. I do not accept the view that they are in any essential conflict, but what structure will be built on their foundations is still in doubt. I think that the subject which will be of most importance politically is mass psychology. Its importance has been enormously increased by the growth of modern methods of propaganda. One of the most influential is what is called, quote, education. Religion, religion plays a part though a diminishing one, the press, the cinema, and the radio play an increasing part. It may be hoped that in time, anybody will be able to pursue anybody of anything. Sorry, it may be hoped in time that anybody will be able to persuade anybody of anything if he can catch the patient young and is provided by the state with money and equipment. One more time. It may be hoped that in time, anybody will be able to persuade anybody of anything if he can catch the patient young and provided this and is provided by the state with money and equipment. No periods. It's like a tongue twister. Anyways, yeah. the subject will make great strides when it is taken up by scientists under a scientific dictatorship. The social psychologists of the future will have a number of classes of school children on whom they will try different methods of producing an unshakable condition that snow is black. Various results will soon be arrived at. First, number one, y'all listen to these. Number one, that the influence of home is obstructive. Two, that not much can be done unless indoctrination 
begins before the age of 10. Three, that verses set to music and repeatedly intoned are very effective. Let's look at the copyright date. What's up? Anyways, so, so, if, so this is a, and it, continue. Fourth, the opinion that Snow is White must be held to show a morbid taste for eccentricity. Um, and it keeps, he goes on and on. Uh, it, it, then it won't need armies or policemen. But uh, okay, not only hit songs, stars, and soap operas, cyclically recurrent and rigidly invariable types, but the specific content of the entertainment itself is derived from them and only appears to change. The details are interchangeable. That's Adorno. Not only are hit songs, stars, and soap operas cyclically recurrent and rigidly invariable types, but the specific content of the entertainment itself is derived from them and only appears to change. The details are interchangeable. Okay. I'll leave it there. That's my little. So just to follow up with what you wrote, and this is what I wrote in, uh, in Theogen's what's in a name. I published this in what, 2014, uh, though this may sound implausible at first, the purpose of making these substances more attractive was to intentionally sell them and not just to patients in hospital wards and to those in a chair with their therapists, but especially to the youth and countercultures of the world. A nefarious purpose indeed. Here, Leary reflects on Arthur Colster's work regarding juvenilization. Quote, From Kostler, I learned about juvenilization and the theory that evolution occurs not in an adult final form of a species, but in a juvenile, larvals, adolescents, pre-adults. The practical conclusion, if you want to bring about mutations in a species, work with the young. Koestler's teaching uh, about pediomorphosis prepared me to understand the genetic implications of the 1960s youth mm -hmm. movement and its rejection of the old culture. Well, <laughs> by the way, Jan, that wasn't me. That was Bertrand Russell in 1953 that said that. Right. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was, right I was, there, yeah. Shit, I was yeah. I was reading Leary's quote, and that quote from Leary can be found in uh, uh, that's from Flashbacks, page three eighty seven, and uh, published in nineteen eighty three, nineteen ninety, and also there I have another page quote going there to page two fifty one and two fifty two. I don't know why I have two page citations there. Maybe an error. So it's one of those. It's either page three eighty seven or two fifty two, two fifty three. There you go. Yeah. And so, you know, again, we're just they, they straight up admit it that they're going to attack the kids, you know, and this is why they're promoting, you know, pedophilia and transsexualness, you know, what, you know, uh, and, and to oh. school children at five years old and promoting, uh, you know, having these uh, tranny uh, school, you know, uh, reading sessions and, and whatnot. That's what that's all about. It's to imprint this specific thing. So here's this book, actually, that I, I was going to open up with. This book is called Sarah. See, I, you can ask the audience. I'm no longer looking at the chat. Like I said, I'll, I'll have to contact Freud after seeing myself as a, I don't know what Whale. it is. As a, no, as a god, as a Roman god who's going to smash down to the sea. Anyone know this book, Sarah, written by J.T. Leroy? Um, a friend of mine who I think is now a pretty much a former friend had <laughs> bought all of this this we'll say this boy's writing okay and the, so sarah jt leroy um you can see all the 
all the great, even Suzanne Vega, Suzanne Vega, the pop star gives this book a wonderful little quote. Sarah's weird, darkly funny and haunting. GT Leroy has a gift, blah, blah, blah. So you think it's Sarah, it's a nice book. This amazing, absolutely brilliant boy. It's got quotes up and down, best-selling 10 books in the series. So Sarah is about, let me just read the back book. Gary Vanilla, 12 years old, with a penchant for short skirts and makeup, has one dream, become the most famous lot lizard or truck stop whore in the, in the business. With his blonde curls and his naked ambition, he is determined to be more woman than most. And to match his idol, rival and mother, Sarah, adopting her name and sex, he heads off into the dangerous and fantastic worlds, pocketed away in the West Virginia wilds. On his journey for fame, he meets with sinister pimps, a luck-restoring jackalope, superstitious prostitutes who take him for a saint, and a host of bizarre and beautiful outcasts that make up his sensual, heartbreaking world. And so this book was supposedly written by this 14, 15-year-old child prostitute. Uh, J.T. Leroy turned out to have been a, a middle-aged Jewish lady that actually wrote all these books, and she got a little bit busted. But this is straight-up child porn. It's a, it's a 12-year-old transsexual. It's all about sex. I mean, I can't even read it. You know, I could just, I mean, it's just, um, I don't even want to read anything from it. It's, uh, but lucky, you know, I mean, it just, but it's supposed to be written like Why don't a kid you read one of your highlights and we'll leave it there. I don't want to, I don't want anybody, you know, puking while they're watching the show. And I don't want to puke into the microphone. <sighs> I don't, I don't even. I mean, of course it's written when you're, when you're, when you're writing like a, you know, a, a 14, 15 year old illiterate, uh, you know, uh, uh, trailer, I mean, uh, you know, truck stop whore. I don't really want to read it. Okay. We pile on the, we pile on the Laloop's purple Trans Am. Pooh cries, climbs over me to sit next to Laloop. We speed through winding back roads that make the tires screech and produce thick billows of red dust. I take little sips of the clear liquid in Pooh's jam jelly jar. And he goes to the jam jelly jar. We can all look okay. at it. gets nasty. I'm not going to read any of it. Um, it's, I don't even want to read it. Yeah. But let's, let's my, I mean, we, I, I just, we don't I need just advertise there. No, no. I mean, but just, just think crap. about this, this book, though. What's going on right now? I mean, this book was, you know, Suzanne Vega. My name is Luca. Remember that song? Yeah. yeah. Was, David Marks just points, uh, pointed out Mickey Mouse Club music and mind control for sure. And probably some pedophilia in there too, you know, but, but I mean, this was a whole series of books, right? And, um, like I said, my friend was really into him. I, I never actually read the book. I just was sitting there on my shelf and I was like, ah, hey, what is this? And, um, but of course, like I said, there's a little bit of controversy, but this stuff, okay. I guess it's okay. If you're actually a, a 14 year old, 16 year old, you know, former child prostitute, but, when you're a middle-aged lady living in Manhattan writing this book, it's a little more questionable. Um, and but at the same time, what we're here right now, right? Look where we are right now, and uh, just leave it at that. Again, Club of Rome limits to growth right now. What's going on with communitarianism? They're talking about voluntarily. What is that? That what is that? Uh, that whole thing, the 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 climate climate catastrophe brigade, you know? And they're like, ah, we're you know what I mean? And that, that this is the exact yeah, same. I, I need to get, you know, uh, Greg Quinones back on the show. Greg, if you're listening tonight, I know you do listen often. Shoot me an email. I tried to write you last week to get you back on the show. Need to get you on so that we can revisit this whole issue once again, brother. And uh, apparently we haven't covered it enough. So I want to cover the uh, green economy fraud.
Yeah, the the carbon, you know, carbon dioxide, which is yeah. necessary but, for life on well, Earth. Yeah, ca carbon is the found the the building block of all life on Earth, and these nut job liberals want us to believe it's a pollutant. You know, and it's like. You can't get any dumber than the than the crap that the liberals spew. You know, it's it's pretty yeah. uh, pretty wild. But but I, I just want to again just read that. Uh, I will get read that that Adorno quote. I'll break that down a little bit because I right. think it's really telling. Um, okay, not only are hit songs, stars, and soap operas cyclically recurrent. So as something I've talked about. Um, and I didn't think of this quote, but you know, you have all these cycles, right? So we have these re recurring, these are cyclical forms, right? They go through a certain process, right? And it comes through and goes again, it comes through and goes again, right? So we're now in a, another sort of recurring process. Of course, every time it gets more amped up and the rigidly invariable types. So, you know, we see this, um, you know, the green movement, whatever you, you can go back and you see, you know, same thing, you know, with, um, you know, Robespierre or whatever, you know, you go back to the, the reign of terror, the 1848, uh, you know, in, in France and all that stuff. And just the way they were just, you know, gutting people on the streets and because they were passionately believed in their, they were right to make the world a better place. So, you know, so this, it, it continues. Um, but here's the thing. So we, we think this is what we've kind of gotten to is the, 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 the structural forms. So when you have a group like fish, which is also interesting, but then you see how this, this fits into and ties into this whole paradigm. And in fact, it's, it's another iteration of it, which really helps you to sort of see that a, they're, they're still running a certain way, running the same plot, but in the other way, you can also see that they very clearly have discussed that agenda. But anyways, next part is the specific content of the entertainment itself is derived from them. So that means the entertainment, the entertainment, even the political movements, which is politics is just entertainment, is derived from cyclically, cyclically recurrent and rigidly invariable types or structure, right? Um, and it only appears to change. The details are interchangeable, right? So, so that's just, you know, we could be talking about, you know, um, you know, Jimmy Seville or Jeffrey Epstein or so-and-so and so-and-so, so-and-so back infinitum, the details change, even the names change, but in fact, it's still the same exact, um, you know, system. Um, and they then just, they know, just take, it's like a spiral and they take it a step deeper or further each go around, you know? Yeah. And just one last thing on this line is something I've tried to, I, it seems really important to me is this, again, this dissolution of history, right? So we're no longer, we're outside of time, right? We're, we're sort of cast out. It's like this parallel earth. They're creating this parallel earth. And you can just, just go look at all the, the new music videos and all that occult stuff and whatever. Um, and, and you just go on and on. But this parallel world, it's almost like pushing humanity outside of history into this, sort of this you describe it as maybe it's a satanic counter counterfeit world um corralled and, you know, whether, into a cybernetic shithole or something what were you gonna say no that that was that was my all line. right so uh blacksican in the chat says your group work has exposed psychedelics as mind control suggestive that is why Hold on, it just scrolled up. That is why we get the push to normalize the psychedelics. That's why there is also a push that's related to normalized pedophilia, too. To use these drugs to open children up to satanic things. 
Uh, don't let me get started on the cartoons nowadays. Very true, Blaxican. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. let me just uh, chime in there. I mean, this um, the you know, the sexual abuse of children is is really it's probably the fundamental method or modus to 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 fracture to create multiple personalities um, because it, it it just it destroys the psyche and uh, uh, some friends of mine who are um, you know psychologists. One of them works at a you know major. Hopefully he's not listening. Probably won't talk to me again. That's okay. But, you know, works in a major clinic, you know, and, and stuff like that. And what happens is actually he it's, and these are like very scientific people saying it almost imprints them with almost this, like this sort of like demonic doppelganger that, that just really is for the rest of their life. They can never shake it. And that's why a lot of times, you know, people that their minds split, you fracture the mind. So to anybody, you know, any of these sick son of a bitches who, who dare to say that, Oh, this is good and helpful. And, you know, this and that. Yeah, maybe there's innocent exploration among kids when an adult comes in. Um, it, it, it does something. It's one of the most damaging, horrific things that can be done. So anybody promoting that um, should be seen as a purveyor of evil. And there is absolutely no excuse for it. it it's the problem. I mean, it's almost probably better to kill someone than, than to sexually abuse them in terms of the, what, what's done to their life. Well said. Well said. You know, so this is probably a good spot to wrap it up, Hans. Get you back on soon. I think, we, you know, we ought to do another series, dude. You know, it seems like we can't get enough of this stuff out there and wake people up, you know. Yeah, well, uh, I'm going to be traveling quite a bit here. But, yeah, if, you know, at least, you know, sort of uh, in between, man, you know, try to hit it sometime, you know. And, uh, yeah, because it's, um, you know, and part of it, though, too, man, to be honest, like, you know, as, as I said, you know, that, uh, you know, it's not exactly like uh, it's a great career move. Hey, Mr. Music Industry guy, what's up? Hey, you know, uh, but, you know, it, the thing is that, you know, I do feel on the other hand, too, I feel like, you know, if the stuff is archived, um, you know, it's out there. So we have, you know, I mean, you know, you can keep going in the details, you know, and stuff like that. Um, uh, but, but sometimes I do feel that I think having the big picture and then, you know, to really once you start to see everything and you're able to make that sort of inner inner journey to see how um, this has affected the world around you, how it directly intersects, or, you know, even maybe not you personally, but, and you see that, and then there's this, um, I think there's kind of a compassion, um, but there also, I think there's, um, there's a, a sort of a, a stepping through of this, right? And, and so that's kind of what, um, you know, it's very important um, because, you know, you've, I mean, I've experienced this, you know, you have too. I mean, people, they identify so much with the stuff and it, it, because it really is. That's what identity do we really have? Well, well, the, we have and and what it, it goes back to the whole pediomorphosis thing because they're programmed with this crap in junior high and high school, you know, and then, uh, you know, if you challenge their their graven images or their, their rock idols, um, they don't want to question those rock idols and the and the pile of crap that's been sold them because they, you know, want to be able to tap along to those songs and everything else. And it's it's easier for them to go along, not realizing the whole Pied Piper, you know, agenda to run them over the cliff. It's easier for them to, you know, the whole ignorance is bliss mentality. But it takes a shift in consciousness to realize that when they're talking about rock idols and music idols, 
that this is literally referring to graven images and you know false gods that they've sold the public and uh so you know it it takes a lot of self-honesty and reflectiveness to be able to you know shatter these illusions you know to get out of plato's cave and uh you know come into the light you know and especially to start you know following and understanding what logos is that's a whole additional level you know and it's funny is like i used to talk smack against the bible all the time and then you sit down and you read it and you read the new testament and it really does expose how all of this stuff works and it's like wow you know how did i not see that before but everybody presumes they're smarter than everyone else who you know for not reading it you know they presume they're smarter for not reading it and they again they take the whole ignorance is bliss mentality and then you sit down and you read it and it's like oh well it's explaining this and this and how all of this stuff works and then they take the bible and then they invert it to do all of these operations and hence you know why i call the bible our operating manual because it actually shows you how to navigate this crap without getting caught in it you know so they don't have to just listen to jan and hans pump you up you know they can uh, actually uh you know there's this old book that was put there that warned everybody about this same crap was that a little Saturday, Saturday Night Live reference? I went to <laughs> My name is Hans. I want to pump you up. Uh, yeah. I used to hate that, man. Maybe, maybe I loved it, but yeah, well, I want to pump you up. You know, how about uh, anyone remember Burt Reynolds, Hooper? He's like, just, he did some of the, those movies are just so sorry that they're, that the, the I, I watched, uh, I watched the, the Trans Am, uh, Smoking the Bear one recently. I mean, yeah, that's, that's all the whole thing. Hans, why don't you give out your uh, email address yep, so people can exactly, send donations? Man. Yep. Okay. It's uh, hansutter at hotmail.com. Um, and um, my website, hansutter.com, which will be updated eventually, hopefully very soon. Um, I have this, uh, I do have some shows. My, I had ex- extremely underground show. I probably got about 120 episodes of that. I'm, I'm going to start putting them up. Uh, I gave up with you. YouTube would not let me post anything. I mean, I was getting copyright violations of my own voice, just a blank screen with me talking. And I had like six months and then they, they, they resolved in the other party's favor. So what you own my voice, dude, I don't know. But uh, anyways, yeah. Hans utter H A N S U T T E R at hotmail.com and uh, Hans utter.com mind control music dot wordpress dot com. And, um, you know, just, uh, just, um, I'm out and about, you know, I may be in your town next week playing a great, playing in a grateful dead cover band. <laughs> yeah. You uh, know, what we ought to do is go through the, uh, 44 shows you and I have done and put together like a, you know, an hour or two long clip of all of the best stuff just to drive it all home. I don't know what to do at this point. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say that, I mean, there's, I mean, I just, you know, I just reached to my file cabinet because I, this is like the only show, like I didn't, I, I mean, I didn't do any preparation for it. I told you, like, I kept thinking I was going to be late. I'm like, I'm not late yet. Damn, what's going on? I just grabbed this like one file folder. It's probably hundred pages plus in here, just of notes, but there's so much material and it's something that, you know, you can't really um, convey I mean, you know, you could just keep dropping names, but, you know, that's why we're kind of dancing around in order to illuminate. Um, and there have been a lot of people that have borrowed, you know, you're in my work and I hear them even saying things like kind of misunderstanding 
and whatever. I mean, there's been a lot of people have done that, but, you know, so be it, but uh, they can never, they can never touch the masters now, but there's a lot of material there, but um, you know, again, it, you know, the whole point is just that to gain an awareness um, and that, yes, there, there are, you know, very strong psychological effects of music, but also, you know, to see like, you know, what you have to understand is that, you know, just, we have such, I mean, probably not for everybody, but there's such an alienation, you know, from nature, from historical tradition, from family, you know, from identity, you know, this whole thing that you have to rebel. And then, so you lose that family structure, family tradition and you yep, go out. There and, it is right there. And, and so the, these moments when people were part of these countercultures were surprised some of the few times they really felt like they were alive or happy in their lives. So there's really a poignancy to it. And that's why you have these guys in their 60s or, you know, 50s, 40s, whatever, jamming out to their, you know, and they just never, because they never grow up and they can't let it go. So you, if you see that with that, you know, reminds me of my dog, you know, he's whining, doesn't have a bone or something. He's like, woo. <laughs> But it was funny. I'm glad you mentioned that. I got a neighbor right up the street here who uh, recently was, uh, you know, talking to me about how he was all excited that he was uh, going to see the Rolling Stones in concert, you know, and the guy is like in his 70s, got blood cancer and he was acting like a, a little kid all excited uh, to go to this freaking Rolling Stones concert, you know. And then he was talking about how he had just gone and seen uh, Paul McCartney. I was like, you mean Billy Shears? <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. You know, he's a he's a total, total, uh, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton fan type. But it was pretty funny to uh, see his reaction just, you know, and, and like this guy is just so, you know, it's like, dude, you left high school 60 years ago. And you're still caught in the same freaking mindset, you know? Well, so is the whole culture. Um, and, and that's what's happened. I mean, even uh, um, even like EDM, electronic dance music, most of that stuff, you know, came out in the 80s or 90s. I mean, and there is good music out there. You just, you know, it's hard to hear. It's hard to find it. But I mean, you know, all the bands, you got cover bands and you got bands that sound like, you know, bands that sound like bands, you know, and like, and, and you know, it's kind of like Allen Ginsberg, you know, because I, you know, I was, I write poetry, I used to be really into poetry. And I have, I have one of his books. It's called like white stains, same like that. Uh, oh, I, I'm not going to touch that book again. I wow. White stains. Okay. Is that like Pearl jam? I, I never read the book, dude. I just, it's, I'm not sure. Yeah. Like it's like Pooh's honey, honey jar or something. But, wow, dude. But, but, but um, what I'm saying is that like some of these guys like Mick Jagger, he's got this, he's this upper crust London school of economics guy. And he's got this really annoying, fake southern draw slash i can see that you're 16 years old I, I can't even do it it's just he's such an obnoxious phony um and, and at the same time he's just uh these guys um you know they had a good pocket charlie watts watts is a fantastic drummer but i mean a lot of these artists i think one of the things is as opposed to just freaking out realized how badly some of these artists suck um, you know, I mean, they're just, we're so trained to think that these people are great. Even like James Dean. I mean, James Dean is actually, a, he's a horrendously bad actor. I mean, he's hilarious with that. If you take away that, that patina, right, this idea of all these people that are promoted, see James Dean, he actually, well, in my opinion, I mean, some people may say he's great, but anyways, let's leave it there, Jan. I'm just um, yeah. all right. rambling. May all, may everybody have peace. And uh, I hope that, um, you know, 
some clarity comes and also it, it's I mean, honestly, just by 40, kind of 44 shows, one of these has got to hit and 440 people will wake up 440 hertz. Well, you know, it, this it's out there, man. I believe in the power. See, John Gearson. Wait, you believe in Billy Shears theory? Paul is dead. Come on, man. It's like, wow, you believe that that's the, that that Paul McCartney suddenly grew like six, eight inches overnight. Really? But um, so anyway, for those inches, man, you know. Yeah. So uh, anyway, folks, support the show, logosmedia.com, uh, or you can go to uh, Patreon there. Send us uh, Bitcoin don- donations, please support. We uh, greatly appreciate uh, you supporting and subscribing to the show. Hit the subscribe button there. Share it with your friends and family, etc. Maybe you can help somebody wake up. And don't forget, Hans and I have. 43 other shows aside from this one about 80 some hours worth of work exposing all of this stuff highly recommend you get through what you can at least the music mind control and psychobiology series and maybe the grateful dead even if you're not a fan just so you understand how the mind control works and how they use pop culture and everything for this hans once again uh thanks for uh coming on i uh, really appreciate you it's good to see you good to talk to you again it's always a pleasure to have you and i'm sure uh, we'll have you back again and it's uh, again always a pleasure to have you on thank you Jan, and you have a wonderful evening and uh um you know may the bed bugs not bite you and all that stuff and you know Indeed. and uh, yeah it this is uh but I, I do think um sorry i just i just can't stop talking you on because oh, yeah, the, the secret history of fm radio is another one that that's a mind-blowing series you and i did you know yeah i i think you know we should uh, just put them out as like dvds or something man and so you know, it's uh yeah I, I do have this this monstrous manuscript i by the way i didn't even include the music mind control book in the books i mentioned so that that thing's like it's about 1200 pages now and i i have to i have to just go through i need to i need to hire Need to hire some Mexican to edit it for me. Only <laughs> <laughs> real immigrant, dude. Pedro. You're, you're hey, Pedro, dude. you want some more beer? Edit my book. Yeah, I used to work. You with can this. get it edited into the finest Spanglish. I used to, to work this Mexican restaurant. Just last aside here. Hey, I've been I've been working for twenty six hours for it. So you give me a, work this, this Mexican restaurant. There's this Cuban chef, and he was this illegal immigrant from Cuba. He's this big dude, you know, and. He's he just he just there he'd work you know eighteen hours a day just drinking drinking beer nonstop and and one day I, I said hey you're from Cuba he's like I'm Cuban man yeah and he started going la cucaracha he, he jumped over that he was about ready to like to, to cut me with a damn kitchen knife I guess he he hated Castro and he's like he, was like, he just jumped over with a huge you know uh, a cleaver in his hand and like all those all those uh, coronas just wore off and so. That's a not out. I'm I'm not racist. I'm not an evil racist. I'm not going to hire some. Mexican but Hans, dude. you're you're white, so you you know by all the liberals by definition that makes you a, a racist Nazi. Even though even though the Nazis <sighs> were liberals, the Nazi, the National German Workers National Socialist German Workers Party. So they were totally oh, uh, totally leftist. <sighs> but that's a whole other issue. Yeah. Well, last thing I want to do my new project. I'm going to do something called the Privilege Project, and I want to hire. Maybe three to four guys. One guy just to shine my shoes. Another guy he'll walk in front of me and just kind of sweep the sidewalk. And then maybe some other guy that will like break out and do a song. One of the you know. And another guy to you know repair your bathroom for you so you don't have to do it yourself. No, they can't do any real work. They can't do any real work. They privilege like one guy can brush the dust off my 
coat or something. I, I just love to see the controversy, like a white, just to, just to shoot the video and have the guy like, Mr. Mr. Hans, you know, like, you know, cleaning my shoes, Mr. Hans, you got dust dirt on your shirt. It says, you know, I'm really bad with accents. If anyone can tell, but anyways, all right, Jan, all the best. And, um, Talk to you soon, brother. You too. Bye. Good night, everybody. Please support uh-huh. the show. See you next time. And uh, we'll be back. Take care. Good night.